1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Oh, that's not Kind in of productions podcast.
0: Hi there, and welcome to another midweek guest episode of OOF, Right in the Childhood. Today, I'm joined by Maddie Limerick of Dole Whip and Dreams. Maddie, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This is disney I love it so much.
0: Uh, I am just thrilled that you wanted to come in and talk about uh, the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Well, hi, friends, uh, all of the people in the podcast universe. I am Maddie Limerick. I am a freelance costume designer, in uh, general, nerd, human, uh, but because we are in COVID times, there's not much costuming and theater happening. Uh, and so, but I am also a podcast creator. I have a Disney movie podcast myself called Dole Up in Dreams over on the Certain Point of View Media Network. Uh, each week I take a deep dive into Disney movies uh, through all of Disney history. We're not going in kind of any order um and starting january 1st i actually have a new show coming out called saturday morning confidential it's a similar structure uh but it covers all ideas of nostalgia that artists and creators find nostalgia with
0: oh that's super super fun and uh it is my understanding that you're also talking about ichabod and mr toad this week is that right
1: we are yeah i had a you know technology it's my first year and so technology has been a little bumpy for us and i thought i had completely lost this episode with a good friend of mine and i was cleaning out three years of grad school files on my (laughs) my computer and lo and behold it had gotten shoved in a folder when it auto downloaded so it's it's uh it's a little clipped episode i normally do about 90 minute episodes it's about 40 minutes uh, where I talk about this with uh, uh, a native of the Hudson Valley who grew up loving the tale of Sleepy Hollow uh, and kind of having it entrenched in him. So yeah, we're talking about it on my show. It'll be released this Friday, so it'll yeah, it should be actually out by the time this this airs. So I'm excited for you all to listen to that as well. But I love. Oddly love talking about this, this weird little uh, movie that they put together of these two great shorts, which was super common of the time. So I was excited to come on and talk about it.
0: Well, like I said, I'm just super excited to have you too. So before we start diving into your impressions of the movie and how it feels to watch it, I'm going to ask you the most important question of this entire film. Yes. And that is, who is the most fabulous character in all of English literature?
1: oh my god uh oh my god in all of english lit um oh my god you've just totally stumped me um because there are i mean there are lots of stories from different eras like i think mrs bennett uh from from pride and prejudice is fabulous in the worst kind of way Mm -hmm. uh and and i love the white witch from chronicles of narnia Ah, uh, and oh god, there there's just so many you've you've officially stopped me.
0: <laughs> I probably should have warned you. That's the line at the very beginning of this movie is who's the most <gasps> yes, fabulous character in all of English literature? And when I watched it I was like, um so please <laughs> tell me who it is because I'm not uh, sure it's Mr. Toad.
1: It's it's well, I'm not sure I'd say it's Mr. Toad, but for the sake of this episode why it's mr toad
0: it's, it's mr toad
1: i feel like this was just that drag race moment where rupaul was looking at miss fame all episode and going how's your head and fame could not answer it and i feel like you just threw me the biggest bone and i couldn't so it's mr toad
0: <laughs> it's mr toad no but i i do like that is is it ichabod crane or mr toad and if so who are you that you think this right. uh but i thought that was what? the most hilarious way to start this movie
1: of course. Well, I mean, it's very mid-century American of them, too, because this idea that, like, the most American entertainment company was was being like, look at this British thing. Look at all these British stories we're telling. Look at all these specifically non-American stories we're doing.
0: I'm assuming you know that this began as a full-length feature and ended yes. up getting cut down to what it was.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So when do you remember watching it for the first time?
1: so i remember i have in like i'm ingrained with memories of the ichabod section of the the sleepy hollow i remember so we didn't have cable growing up um but this time of year specifically in october disney channel would always offer like a free weekend um where you could like watch and they would really pack in Like they would always show that night, that 60 minute version of Alice in Wonderland, hundred one Dalmatians would show Um, you get some of the like TV programming. But I remember in October that they would always show the sleepy hollow portion. And so for me, it was so ingrained that I remembered it. And I don't actually think until my watch of this a year ago that I ever watched the wind in the willows, the Mr. Toad section. Um, I knew it was a ride at Disneyland that we'd had at Disney World that everybody was very upset when it closed. But I honestly, I think a year ago was the first time that I watched The Wind in the Willows. But I remember, I'm a big weenie when it comes to horror and spooky things. (laughs) And so the, the headless horseman coming through the woods and throwing his head at Ichabod as he runs through the countryside is so... I have the worst guttural memories of that, of being so afraid of that. Um, And that I didn't even remember until rewatch. And then I watched this again the other day that like, it's all musical. I totally forgotten about that as well. Again, until I watched it about a year ago. And so I think as a kid, I remember watching and just being so afraid of the headless horseman that I kind of forgot everything else that weird nostalgia brain.
0: You know, um, I actually kind of had the same experience. I, Absolutely remember watching The Legend of Sleepy Hollow every Halloween uh, when Disney Channel was on free preview. And uh, my two big takeaways were how much Ichabod could eat Mm -hmm. and that pumpkin throwing scene. (laughs) It was those two things.
1: Because he's so skinny and yet packs away. Well, and that was something I, again, watching it as an adult, I went, whoa, whoa. I'm finding myself totally not rooting for him at all. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but, like, it's one of those things I went, huh, tale of the unlikable protagonists.
0: <laughs> um, so I refer to Braum as proto Gaston.
1: I do as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, Ichabod's a creep.
1: A total <laughs> creep. An absolute creep.
0: Like, he's like, I'm going to marry her so I can have her daddy's land. And I'm like, wait, 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 what?
1: it's it's one of those that he almost reminds you of like the ali hakim from oklahoma the like snake oil salesman that's traveling around except he's the school teacher that goes town to town until he until he can find the the most beautiful woman to like marry into her rich family and have those things and when he can't find it he just moves on to the next town like it's like that's not part of the story but in my you know my adult brain goes who is this spaghetti man coming in that's like i look weird but i'm gonna marry the super pretty girl with the rich family
0: and i like how katrina's just like whatever (laughs) this is fine
1: yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Uh, in my first watch i thought that she didn't notice but in my second watch um i think that she did and Mm -hmm. she was just like well these are nice gifts that seems Mm -hmm. fine
1: yeah and it's one of those things where I go, oh, yeah, girl, take those gifts. You, you don't owe him anything. If he wants to give you a present, you take that present. You appreciate that present. You owe him nothing. So take those presents. Do what you're going to do.
0: <laughs> you know, she's also kind of conniving, too, because for that final dance, she writes both of them and personally invites them to that party. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so they're both vying for attention. And I'm like, Katrina, everyone kind of sucks in this story.
1: Yes. And I ultimately like to think that she and Brom are both in on the the headless horseman aspect of scaring him out of town. I, you know, I like to think that. I mean, granted, because you know, much like many of the movies during this time, uh, Katrina has the most or the least agency of anyone because she is the woman, uh, which is you know, she's a plot point, she's property to be won. Uh, but I like to think that she she was like, you know, what? Let's give him a raz. I'm I'm smarter than he thinks I am. Uh, in this in this situation and they I, I like to think she was in on it with Brom.
0: <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. I kinda love that. Um so I have a Mandela effect going on uh, on with that particular scene. Um oh. so I have two memories of that of that ending and one of them is the the pumpkin and then and it misses and it's Brom like throwing these pumpkins and then Ichabod and Katrina get married and then I have the one where Ichabod maybe dies. Um yeah. They're very unclear about that. Oh,
1: oh, but I don't. He might
0: have died. He might have moved to another town. Mm-hmm. We're not sure.
1: It's it's very unspecific. I the wiki uses the phrase that um, Ichabod has spirited away by the headless horse. <laughs> in, in oh. it, which, from someone that I lived in the Hudson Valley for for four years, I go. That sounds about right. That that sounds like those those cat skill people like that sounds just about right um also kind of remembering that this was also uh a washington irving story you know along with um rip Van winkle and winkle in those kinds of almost magical realism like there's just enough that you're like huh maybe we do have fay and magical things in this world or maybe we don't it's none of our business let's keep moving on
0: <laughs> Not pay attention to them. Uh, Yeah, I talk a little bit about that, about how um, Irving was actually stationed at Sleepy Hollow during the Revolutionary War. Mm -hmm. Um, And during his time, they found uh, a Hessian soldier beheaded near a bridge. Um, And then later in his life, he met someone named uh, Ichabod Crane. So, I mean, it's really unclear where he got his ideas, but...
1: Yeah, that's wild. I mean, that's also that, that time where... I uh, so you know we we know stories that are supposed to be true that my you know they're as fictionalized as any other you know literature of the time of those you know George Washington chopping the cherry tree and uh, uh Johnny Appleseed and Pecos Bill and Paul Bunyan and that there are those things that there there's so little separating the fictionalized version of American history from the fictionalized story from the same time. You know, so who's to say who were real people and what actually happened?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. And I think he's also taken a little bit from the wild hunt from German folklore there. Uh, Absolutely. Because they don't have heads either.
1: Absolutely, I would agree. Well, you yeah. know, and that's just, you know, we, I, I had a professor who uh, liked to say that there have been five original ideas and they just get rehashed over time. And every time you look at something, they go, they go, well, that's just not original. And I go, yeah, we've had a thousand different versions of the story. We, you know, very little is actually original or real anymore. So it's, you know, but it's, you know, a good artist borrows, a great artist steals. So, right. <laughs> you know, it, it's not surprising, it's not surprising, but also how dynamic and fun is that of this idea of a headless man that's riding through this super creepy unlit woods of of the beautiful Hudson Valley
0: only on Halloween night though,
1: only on Halloween night. <laughs> I mean, but you know, cause not far, I mean, cause not far from there is also, you know, Salem's only about four hours. So, you know, that area is just full. It's where the original settlers were. It's where the, the, you know, a lot of the larger communities, you know, the Huguenots were in New Paltz, which is right. Literally like, I think 30 minutes North. That's where I lived. And the Huguenots, literally, their buildings are still there. And it's one of those where it's like, yeah, ghosts maybe. And then you walk into those buildings and you're like, oh, this is haunted. (laughs) So, you know, there's a lot of just the oldest parts of our country. I totally believe, you know, there's something that goes bump in the night. And, you know, people have seen weird things for 300 years. So who's to say?
0: Yeah, I grew up in the quote-unquote new part of the country, you know, west of the Mississippi. So, I've uh, <laughs> never been to the truly haunted areas, I guess.
1: Oh, I would say a lot of the west is very haunted. <laughs> as I'm well. Sure it is.
0: <laughs> There's a lot more violence.
1: <laughs> oh, a lot more violence and a lot of just stories that again, uh it's that idea that like history is written by the victors which happens to be lots of white settlers which did really awful things in order to take the land that they had so which again bringing up oklahoma again i always go is that really what happened or was it much more violent and scary than that i'm i'm gonna go with violent and scary
0: violent and scary
1: (laughs) yeah well and it's so interesting to me again that they chose to tell the story of sleepy hollow um with one narrative voice now while we get lots of voices in the story it's just bang crosby and he's just singing and crooning along uh which you know it- From a historical standpoint of the time that this was made in, that makes sense. He was huge in film, he was huge in music, he was top 40 star, he was a theater star. Um, So you know it's one of those things that made sense and looking back now I go, Bane Crosby's the white Christmas dude, that's really weird. But again, it was so popular it would have been easy to sell. But it's so interesting that really Legend of Sleepy Hollow is like 19 minutes maybe? It's really short um where Very you get short. the the wind in the willow and this actually only tells like three chapters of wind in the willow maybe it's a really short chunk of wind in the willow um it's still you know about 38 or 40 minutes of this and so you know we're barely cobbling together an hour of film which again it's this period of of disney disney film but i do think it's interesting that they found a way to tell kind of a clear and succinct story or as much of the stories we needed in that kind of 20 minutes through a single narrative of voice. Um, but the animation was so dynamic. And the characters, even despite being a little two-dimensional, they're super flat uh, in, in some ways. Uh, it's still a really interesting story. <laughs> and it's a fun story. It in really is. And, but I do think making it kind of a musical narrative um, with no other dialogue is a really interesting way to tell this story.
0: It is. And I, I, I kind of was like, Oh, Ichabod's song is way better than Toad's song. Um and it was about halfway through I went, No one talks here except for Bing Crosby. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And, and it is. He's the white Christmas dude, but he was so popular. Like, if nothing else, the forties bits have star power. That's star what they've got. Power. Like in melody time, you've got the Andrews Sisters, and you've got um, mm-hmm. Carmen Miranda's little sister, and um, the Three Caballeros. They've got stars in them. I guess if if they couldn't do anything else, they were just going to throw famous people inside them.
1: Well, and this was the the time of the studio system, and so I think it was probably easier for them to get people or like convince people to come in. Or Snow White had been so big um, that like it really. Did kind of kick them off, so I'm I'm not totally shocked. Um, they were able to get someone like Bing Crosby. I think just looking, and again, it's hard to look at it without future brain um, of looking at the next, you know, seventy five years of film and pop culture that would come after. Um, I know, you know, it's it be it's the same as having Ariana Grande do the new version of Beauty and the Beast. On you know, it's it's that same kind of thing. She has the the staying power, or Gaga being in *Star Is Born*. It's just one of those things. It's every time Star is Born is remade, it's, it's, you know, it's Judy, it's Barbara, it's Gaga. You know, it's one of those things that it makes sense that if we were to make this now in the exact same way, it would be one of those Disney names or Disney voices that we are accustomed to because of Disney.
0: I want to take a moment to thank my supporters on Patreon. Jason and Mixie have both joined in at the $5 level so they can hear ad-free versions of every episode one day early and listen to my discussion of the propaganda that Disney created during World War II. Supporters on Patreon help me cover hosting fees and upgrade my equipment while being able to choose to promote small businesses. If you'd like to become a patron, you can search the show over at Patreon, or you can follow the link in the show notes or on my website. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, during the wartime, especially because Disney had been kind of so they kind of fell out of favor during the whole Fantasia mm-hmm. fiasco. Mm-hmm. But then they got, you know, pumped right back up with all their propaganda that they put out and the U.S. Army advertised for them as much as they advertised for the U.S. Army. So right. I sh- I'm sure it was very easy to get all of the members of the USO tour to just like wander into the Disney studios to do a recording real quick and then wander right back out.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I agree 100% with that. Absolutely. Um, but I think I think it is strange that these two stories are paired together. While they are both whimsical and interesting, they don't re- <laughs> there's really nothing that connects them. Like, at all. And that's why I always, other than people actually, are really, really fond of both of these stories. I'm I'm not sure, ultimately, just looking at, like, laying out all the properties from seeing all of this era of film uh, and kind of how they were doing the movies. I'm not sure why these two were put together. Because uh, they do, you know, one, we've got one that's in England and one that's definitely not in England. Uh, well, I mean, definitely not in England. But, you know, it could really sit anywhere it doesn't have to be sleepy hollow new york but the two have two very different feelings they're from two very different you know 1908 and 1790 are very different so uh you know it's just it's really interesting that these were the two that were paired together
0: you know that interesting too um i think it might have been they knew that this was the last compilation film the last package Mm -hmm. film um and my episodes Gonna, that has already played is going to go a little bit more into why they knew that. But I think it was just, well, we've got these two and we want to release one more to get all of our debts paid off so we can do Cinderella. And mm-hmm. these two are pretty good. <laughs> we'll just yeah. glue them together and put some narration in the middle.
1: Well, I think I, you know, I say that and then I go, well, they decided to use the as the framing device. And so ultimately these are two stories that come from, uh, literature so i guess from that aspect it's let's pull two books off the wall and throw them together um so you know that is it does work i guess I mean, in that is, aspect of it
0: it's a better connection than the fun and fancy free jack and the beanstalk versus bongo the bear
1: um i those agree two, i have I no idea
0: how agree. that worked
1: you know what i also feel like they weren't thinking about it too much during that time i think this is era one a lot of the disney fans forget because i think a lot of disney fans out there now especially that are in like our age group think of disney and they think of like a hand like five of the pre-renaissance films and then their disney films are renaissance forward where you know there are a lot of these that if you're just a casual disney fan you're not really thinking about this era of film and they always you know disney is so magical and everything is so you know important and how they tied everything together but i was like you know at points they were just trying to stay afloat and just putting movies out to put movies out because they needed money so you know it's it's not always a grand artistic reasoning behind it
0: yeah i think we do we we think about we go from like I actually, until I started this podcast, I didn't realize that Cinderella wasn't right after Bambi. And when I looked at it, I was like, what are these? Why are these Uh five? And then I started kind of looking at them like, oh, well, I've seen parts of all of these. I've never seen Uh all of any of these. But, like, Uh um, I mean, even in living in the us i've seen song of the south on disney channel when it was on free preview and i was like well, yes. that's not gonna happen um but I, looking at the others i was like well i've never seen any of these what are these and then i started watching and went, oh mickey and the beanstalk of course i've seen uh-huh. that oh uh-huh. sleepy hollow of course i've seen that um but I don't think I'd ever seen all of any of them. And I think it mm-hmm. gave that license to Disney Channel later on when we were kind of like in the the silver era and the bronze era before the Renaissance to like, oh, well, we're just going to throw some old cartoons on the TV. That'll be fine. And just make everyone believe right. that Alice in Wonderland was all that there ever was. <laughs>
1: right well and it also you know because that's back when disney fought home media for so long like they even took sony to court to stop them from making betamax and vhs um and then they went well if we can't beat them i guess we join them and then some of these films were the ones that they like split up in some of the mickey mouse shorts that they split up and then they were the first things released on vhs uh some of these like really short stories And so it's, it's not shocking that these were the ones that they, I guess when these were all in the vault, these meant nothing to them. So they went, okay, you know, we're not putting Snow White or 101 Dalmatians out on VHS because they're the untouchables. So let's do these. We have these, let's use them.
0: The benefit of them fighting home media for so long is that I actually have, like, have memories of seeing Snow White and Bambi and... I think I saw Pinocchio all three in theaters with my grandparents Mm -hmm. at one point, like Mm -hmm. before they opened the vault or whatever. Um, And Mm -hmm. like, I I love having that because I kept thinking when I, when when I was older, uh, when I was about 12, 13, I kept going, it doesn't make any sense that, um, that Snow White's from 1938. I saw that in theaters and it wasn't until Mm -hmm. I was older that I understood that they just kept re-releasing them into theater. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I thought I totally made up a memory of seeing Snow White right after my sister was, when my sister was like two or three, and it would have been right before the first VHS release of Snow White in the mid-90s. I was like, there's no way we saw that in theaters, because it would have been after Beauty and the Beast came out. And I went, huh, that's not possible. And then I went, oh, it is possible because of the re-releases, which again, it's the weird things that you find out once you start researching for a podcast when I thought I had a really good like specific Disney knowledge and I went wow there's so much that are it's in my brain and I thought I made these things up but then oh no wait here they are I didn't actually make these up yeah there's a lot of it in dis I find it specifically with Disney and nothing else there are a few other like those weird Japanese anime properties that were kind of getting American dubs um I think it's funny there's like that collective uh um, repressed memory of Nemo and Sleepland um, that a lot of people have, and like I remember watching it because we had a VHS from the '90s release. But I think there's this era, especially people in our kind of age group and demographic, of they are like, no, 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 I saw these Disney movies in theater, and everybody's like, that's not possible. But it's because most people don't have an intrinsic enough knowledge to know that, uh, you know, I just did a Snow White episode, and when I, you know, they had like. 14 re-releases which is why snow white has made almost as much as you know one of the frozen films over time because it has been re-released so many times
0: i saw recently that it's it's in the top 10 of the highest grossing movies of all time like because because of um if you account for inflation it's it's like just under titanic or something
1: Yes, I mean, but that's but also it was because they waited so long to do a VHS release, and then it was another fourteen years after that before it got a DVD release. That like you know it sold like five million D or uh, like VHS copies in the first three or four months it was out. Like they and that's back when VHS was still like thirty dollars. That was when you were getting one new Disney movie a year. They were dropping them out of the vault, and you know a lot of the live action were coming out, but like people were spending money on their home libraries so you know they've every time you know Snow White's one of those things that she is still so popular Um, and you know it's you know some of these even that I you know again we talk about that I don't really have memories of both but I remember that Ichabod and Mr. Toad cover that poster that comes up if you google it which was the the home video release for it I remember that like, you know, because everybody remembers looking over the shelves at your local VHS store when you, you know, Walmart or Target opened in your town. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, that's why, you know, it's good that they do account for inflation now because, you know, the the money they made in, you know, 1939 is not the same as the money they made, you know, 10 years ago.
0: Right. And uh, so that was something, um,
1: also a lot of those movies that have been studied over time, there's just, I find that some of these there's so much information on, or so little information on. Like it's there's really nothing in between, um, especially when you get near the end of Walt's life when people were like actually documenting with video in the studios. Like, uh, you know, when they were starting to hit like the Waking Sleeping Beauty era of, of animators and things, there's just there's either a ton of information or there's no information. And I find on some of the, the episodes that the further I dug, the further I went, oh, I need like a string map to tell this. I was like, this is too much for just our basic overview <laughs> that I do in my episodes. But yeah, it's it's amazing the, the things that I still, feel that i've missed every time i cover something
0: really interesting because um it is it's it was during the research for this movie that i realized that the reason that they made all these package films was because the studio was so deep in debt that the bank wouldn't allow them to finance any more feature films until they paid off all their debts and so that's why they kept really like why Mm -hmm. they kept releasing these package films until they had paid off enough of their debt for them to release a new feature film in fact the Bank of America said, you can only release these feature films and then no more until you've paid it all back. And I was like, that feels like something that should have been mentioned way earlier in my research, but I found it out at uh, the yeah. end of the package film era. Um, and it's just, okay, that was out of order, but fine.
1: That's, well, I mean, cause you know, this is that time where they almost lost everything. Oh people yeah. People tend to only remember- Again, you know, it's not people like us that have an unhealthy knowledge of all things Disney. Not really unhealthy. I think I like to think a historian's level of all things Disney. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those that it's people forget that he wasn't the best businessman because he followed his heart so much, which you know, it's kind of cool. But that's why Roy was there, going, "Well, we can't do this anymore." And people finally were like, "No, Walt, you got to stop, man." And so, you know, we there were times we. They lo- they almost lost everything over and over again. I and mean, it's, it's a wonder, despite everything that the company still exists.
0: It really is.
1: Now we say this, and this is literally, we're recording this in the days after thousands of people have been laid off from, well, tens of thousands of people were laid off from, from Disney. So <laughs> well, know, yeah. we're, maybe we're hitting that point again, but I feel yeah, that really is bad about
0: right that, out. but I, I feel like for the first time, it might not be Disney's fault. That thousands yeah. of people are being laid off from them. Like, I, I'm not going to say it's great. And they tried to keep them on a lot longer than a lot of other multi-million dollar con- companies yes. did. I'm going to, like, <clears throat> it was world. so sad <clears throat> to see. I was like, oh, really? this is so sad. But I kind of it was like, but they kept them on for this long mm-hmm. without, that- you know, worrying about it
1: that could be a whole multi-part story too of just there there is so much i think people just forget that there are so many times that we were so close to losing disney for good um Mm -hmm. and i hate to think about like what entertainment would be if they did lose them because you know through all of their faults they have oftentimes defined what the rest of the industry was doing and everybody else started copying them so you know they've been a trendsetter for so long so it would have been interesting to think about well what happened what would have happened if they had of had to stop producing at those times
0: right and uh i mean i'm I'm glad that they got to keep going and um they -hmm. got through the package film era and back into princesses and so yeah next week i get to start with talking about cinderella
1: (gasps) which is so beautiful it's one of my favorite ones to revisit i don't love a lot of that age of films but cinderella is it's so beautiful and it's it's got my my it's got jacques and gus gus who are two of my favorite little plush companions if you will uh so i can't wait to hear that episode i'm excited uh for everyone out there i am a huge listener of this show uh and i'm so excited that you all are listening to us now
0: Well, I, I, again, but uh, I'm super happy that you were here and uh, why don't you take a moment to tell everyone uh, how they can find your podcast and how they can get in touch with you if they want to listen to everything you have to say about Disney as well.
1: Great. Well, thank you. Uh, So you can find us all over the internet. Um, I'm part of the Certain Point of View family of shows. We have some incredible stuff from movies to Star Wars to books. Over there, we just acquired several new shows. Um, and we've even got one. I have a golden girl show that's coming out soon about how the golden girls changed how we watch television. Uh so we've got some interesting things emerging over the next year. So you can find us at certainpov.com. And then once on our homepage, you can see all of our shows, and I'm Dole whooping and Dreams on there. Um, and then so on Facebook we're Dole up and Dreams Podcast. Um, on Instagram, we're Dole up and Dreams Pod uh twitter we are dull with pod because of course i have an entirely long long podcast title which makes branding difficult
0: that deeply in my soul
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> so um i do have another side podcast that i started uh, during quarantine it's called isolation cast voices from quarantine and starting in november uh i'm doing my first foray into audio i don't want to say audio drama but like Fiction. Uh, So instead of drawing as a designer for Inktober, I've been writing on paper with pens because I am what I call a stationary hoe. I like to buy lots of stationary things and never use them. Uh, So I'm delving into that. So for the month of uh, November, Monday through Friday, there will be a short form story every day, about two to five minutes. To listen to um and then starting january 1st i will have a saturday morning confidential um along with a mini series about the first nine years of the power rangers Um, because the uh, uh, head of our network and I love Power Rangers Uh, and I've gotten some of the Power Rangers actually on the show with me that we've been recording interviews so check us out on our Instagram and Facebook we have a link tree to everything so I know that I've just given you a lot so if you find us on certainpov.com or Joel Dream's podcast on Facebook or Instagram there's a link tree and you can find us everywhere and then all of my personal stuff is tied to that as well so find I do my
0: best to excellent and I, I do want to thank you again for taking the time and uh, yeah, but if this one isn't available uh, yet yeah this, is, this was such a great talk and video. you can feel free to come back anytime and talk about any other movie you love Let music be. I would love for more to. information <laughs> on that studio you can visit their website at letmusic.b or visit my website for an easy link. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you come back each week to discuss Disney through Modern eyes. and while you're at it, if you're enjoying yourself, please let your friends know about me. I'd also appreciate a rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. This podcast was recorded with the help of the Craig chatbot and edited by me. I release a new regular episode every Monday through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many other podcatchers. So until next time, keep the magic alive.